Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Paul Wood of the BBC, who was Middle East correspondent, but is now based in Washington. And we're going to be talking about Trump and Islam. Paul, we've had the impression from Trump and his views on foreign policy that he has moved away from nation building uh, and, if you like, the neoconservative internationalist view of the world. However, his attitude towards Muslims and the Islamic world seems extremely aggressive. In fact, perhaps more aggressive than the Republican Party was under George W. Bush. Is that a fair summary of, of where Trump stands on Islam? Yes, Donald Trump has made a break with the past in many things, but in the isolationist foreign policy he wants to pursue and in his attitude to Muslims. And as with many other things, his attitude to Muslims is designed, or maybe it's sincere, to play into what his base thinks and believes. I was having dinner last night uh, with a lady telling me about her brother down in Florida who'd built his house around a special gun room, and the gun room was ready for whoever was coming. And who is coming, Trump supporters think, is radical Islamic terrorists, ISIS. Uh, I remember uh, back in primary season interviewing a lady in New Hampshire who told me she had a 38 special given to her by a former policeman. It had hollow point bullets, and she'd bought a 45 for her 82-year-old mother because they thought literally that ISIS was coming to take over New Hampshire and she had a 10-year supply of canned goods in her basement for when everything fell apart. And the early sign of trouble to come, she felt, was an Arab-owned store in the local town, a town called Littleton. I went to check out the store. It was a family of Lebanese Christians who'd lived there for 45 years. So if Donald Trump sounds paranoid, that's nothing to what his supporters uh, feel and say. Uh, And that presumably is one of the reasons why he's president. He absolutely understands the mindset of the people who voted for him. There is certainly an intense fear of Islamic terrorism in the Republican base, but it's not entirely unjustified. I think since 2014, the number of certainly arrests and actual terrorist attempts has intensified. Or do you regard it as just purely American paranoia? No, I mean, well, I, I, when I was speaking about paranoia, it was paranoia about the exi- not about the existence of a threat, uh, but about the degree to which that mm. threat might be more worrying than, say, other threats. Of course, there's radical Islamic terrorism or Islamist terrorism. We saw it in the horrific attacks in Paris. You know, we saw it in 9/11. We saw it in the nightclub attack in Florida. Yeah. But there are 1.7 billion Muslims in the world, and uh, only the tiniest fraction of them mean harm to others in the way that al-Qaeda does or ISIS does. And there are, if you want to talk about proportionality of threats, 85 people a day killed every day in the United States from accidents with guns, including, uh, I believe, if the statistics are correct, more toddlers killing people with guns than do radical Islamic terrorists. So, of course, the threat is real. And, of course, the United States has the right to defend itself. The criticism there have been, the intelligent criticism there have there's been of Trump's policy on this is that he has a narrative uh, and it is the clash of civilizations narrative Mm. which originated um, in Samuel Huntington's book and guess who also has this narrative it is ISIS and and Al-Qaeda and by banning every single Muslim who uh, comes to the United States or trying to or appearing to do so in the eyes of your critics the people who benefit from this are ISIS and Al-Qaeda as for instance uh, Republican critics such as John McCain have said. Yes and it's interesting that among Stephen Miller, Trump's advisor, and I think probably Steve Bannon too has this worldview, that they regard Europe as some, Europe has already lost the war to 
Islamification. Is that right? I, I have become um, a regular contact of one of Trump's oldest friends, a man who's known him for 30 years in business and socially, who's Italian by birth, but is selling his house in Rome because, in his words, he thinks Rome is finished, Italy is finished, France and Britain are on their way, and he thinks, in the view of this man, that it's the end of Judeo-Christian civilization mm. in Europe because of what he would regard as untrammeled Muslim immigration. He says he's had conversations along these lines with Trump for many years, and in his view, Donald Trump feels the same. And looking at Mr. Trump's public statements, you can imagine perhaps he, he does think that. There's, there was a lot of talk in during the Republican primaries of no-go areas in European cities, that is, Muslim ghettos, uh, where the police couldn't go and non-Muslims couldn't go. And this became one of the kind of talismanic things which were waved around before Republican audiences and became a sort of uh, test of, of whether with the audience you were going to succeed. Mm. I think Trump, or certainly the administration so far, seemed quite keen to stress their support for gay rights. And is this way of sort of defining themselves as liberal, as in the opposite world to the Islamic world, in the clash of civilizations thesis that you were discussing? Well, it seems a very obvious rhetorical trope. And once again, it may be what Mr. Trump believes, it, it may be a convenient way in which to express your Islamophobia. Hmm. But, I mean, you don't think Trump is sincere in his support of gay rights? I'm not sure what Donald Trump is sincere in or not sincere in. If it's you hard go back to say, to, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to say. If you go back to his fledgling political race for president in the year 2000, and then again when he flirted with the idea in 2012, hmm. I've just been reading a very detailed account of what happened then by Roger Stone, who was running those campaigns for him. He's, Stone is a legendary political operative who goes around with a tattoo of Richard Nixon between his shoulder blades, among other things. <laughs> and Donald Trump was saying a lot of things 10 or 15 years ago, or even four or five years ago, which are completely different from what he's saying now. And yes. presumably we're about getting support from, from somewhere that he doesn't need anymore. So what he really believes, uh, I have no idea. Yes. It's interesting you mentioned Nixon, because I've heard people say that just as Pat Buchanan, when he was working for Richard Nixon, used positive polarisation, partly about communist Russia, perhaps Trump is using Islam in the same way. It's a way of polarising America on an issue, but gaining the majority of middle America. Stone says, and I agree, that Donald Trump seems to be using Nixon's playbook in a number of areas. And one thing I heard from a Republican consultant at the beginning of this remarkable election season 18 months ago was that Roger Ailes was secretly advising Trump. Yes. Ailes, of course, was running Fox News at the time, now no longer, but had been with Nixon since 1968. Nixon used to appeal to law and order, which was a way to appeal to white fears about black crime, African-Americans. Yeah. And in some ways, ISIS seems to have replaced that. In some ways, America is quite a scaredy-cat nation. A lot of people go around with guns as a very macho culture here. But turn on the television and it's all about whatever life-threatening illness you might have if you don't take such and such a pill. There's this kind of black cloud hovering over everybody, a fear of another 9-11. Mm. And Trump perfectly plays into that. It's not that the threat of radical Islamic terrorism isn't real. Of course it's real. It's whether you make a proportionate response to it or wh and whether your response, if you overreact, might actually make it worse. Yes. Paul, that's fascinating. Thanks very much for talking to us. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anytime on iTunes. So please do and have a very nice weekend. 